Hello, everybody. This is Alan Schiffer of the Kansas City Star, your Missouri beat writer. I'm joined alongside Blair Kirkhoff this week, who is fresh off from his return to Denver from observing Patrick Mahomes' Monday Night Heroics. This week, we talk about Missouri's upcoming game against South Carolina and maybe get a little bit into the following week against Alabama and maybe even some basketball stuff. Hope you enjoy. All right, Blair, I don't know how much you've watched of Mizzou's game against Georgia, but to me, this is a game against South Carolina that could do them a lot of good because it's a tough place to play, obviously. It's one of the best atmospheres in college football, but I think a win to put them at 4-1 and one going into Alabama should quash any talk of Barry Odom's job security and really kind of elevates what they could do for the rest of the regular season in terms of maybe finishing 10-2 and two or 9-3. and 9-3 and three may be a little more realistic just with the way Kentucky's playing right now. But uh, I think this is a game that, given kind of how Missouri played against Georgia and, and left a lot on the table, this is something that they should come in with a chip on the shoulder and it should be – uh, it, it should be an extra motivator for them given the way it went last year with them. So I'm kind of curious what, what your thoughts are going into this game. Well, with the fact that it's, it's a, what, a, a one or one and a half point South Carolina favorites role here, um, uh, you know, suggests that uh, it, it's even inside the home field advantage in terms of closeness. And, uh, and, and it looks, it just looks that way on paper given the, the team strength. I mean, Missouri looks a little better offensively, South Carolina a little bit better defensively. And um, so you've got a little bit of a contrast in, in styles, but uh, you know, you mentioned something earlier about Barry Odom and, and where this game might fit into his, his future. I think when you, when you, when you look at those types of topics, it's always, you know, you, you find games, you look back on games that, Say boy, if he had, if they had only won that one, maybe it would have influenced um, things in a different way. And and you're right, this is a type of a a game that uh, Missouri kind of hasn't won in the past. I mean, the, under Odom and in, in the last few years under Pinkle, teams that went on to have good seasons. You know, I think did I didn't I read something you wrote recently that Drew Locke hasn't beaten a team that finished with a with a winning record. Um, so still looking for still looking for that type of a victory and, and maybe South Carolina will provide it. They've had a tough start. I mean, they, they, they didn't play as well as they wanted against Georgia and then lost to Kentucky last week. And it sure looks like Kentucky's emerging as the second best team in the division. But um, it's been, look, this has been a good rivalry, a good series. The games have been mostly close, uh, mostly low scoring. And um, I, I think, I, I think if Drew Locke, um, you know, this is this is the kind of game where you sort of expect him if he's going to be the the, the guy that we've all thought him he could be a first round draft pick, an all conference quarterback. This is the game where he comes up big, and and that's what I'm going to be looking for on on Saturday. I completely agree with you with Locke. If you remember before the Georgia game, I had a story about NFL scouts saying that this three game stretch of Georgia, South Carolina, and Bama are going to really be a big mover for his draft stock and maybe even ultimately kind of cement him into a certain stratosphere of the draft, whether it's green room invite, first round, second round, something like that. And 
you know, I, the, the jury's a little bit out against how he did with Georgia. Some people think he he was okay. Some people thought he wasn't very good. But I, I personally thought that given the standard he's being held to, yes, they took away the deep ball, but he should, you know, it's going to be in the NFL the, the same way where he doesn't have his best receiver or plays a tough defense and, and has to be able to do more with less. And that's what I was kind of thought was lacking. And given that they, you know, he, he, he was underwhelming against Georgia and with Alabama waiting in the wings, I think that this is a real chance for him to kind of stand out, like you said. And, and maybe with Kentucky being later in the season at home, he almost has a chance to kind of redeem himself from the Georgia game or kind of get a, a refund for his performance against Georgia because of, of Kentucky being top 15 right now. But I agree. I think this is a game that he absolutely has to kind of show more than just what we've been seeing. Yeah. Look, when you, when you're talking about Drew Locke, if, if he had, if he had had a really good game against Georgia or if he has a really good game against Alabama, well then, then you look at, you look at everything differently. Then he goes to maybe top three in the draft or something. I mean, cause who's, who's going to have those types of games against two of the top, whatever, two teams, three teams in the country that are, that are solid defensively. When I look at what he did against Georgia, you're right. I, I thought Georgia did a really nice job taking away, um, you know, a lot of what Missouri likes to do. And, and Emmanuel Hall, of course, had, you know, he, he was a little banged up in that game and so the weapons weren't there. And the, um, But he, Drew Locke led an offense that scored 20, what, four touchdowns, 29 points against Georgia, which is not unimpressive, right? Um, he didn't throw a touchdown pass, but, um, but, but, Offense wasn't the issue in that game. Um, now turnovers were an issue, and it just um, you know I was I, I wasn't there, but I was watching, and it really, if you were a Missouri fan watching that game, it just had to drive you nuts to see a, a punt blocked for a touchdown, and and uh, you know have uh, the, the tight end have the ball ripped from him, taken back for a, for another score, have a have a, you know a ball bounce off a receiver's shoulder pad and helmet for an interception, just a lot of stuff that drives you crazy in a game that I think Missouri matched up physically uh, with. And, and that, to me, was an encouraging sign, the fact that uh, Missouri, you know, could base, uh, you know, could, could move the ball on, on Georgia. They, they didn't have as many stops as they want, but uh, uh, but they did move the ball on, on, on Georgia. And I was, I was kind of encouraged by the running game. So I, I think that bodes well for Missouri going forward. Um, you know, a little bit, the running game has gotten a little bit better each week, and, and, uh, and I feel a little bit better about that than, than we did going into the Purdue game a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think the run game is huge. I, I checked the other day. South Carolina's run defense is 92nd nationally, and obviously Missouri has three competent running backs in Crockett, Tyler Beatty, and Larry Roundtree. So I think that's a huge area where Missouri has to exploit on Saturday to kind of kind of get the upper hand. We we mentioned the Purdue game. I was going to ask you, you know. I thought Missouri's defense, yeah, they gave up 43 to Georgia, but I thought the first half against Georgia was day and night from the Purdue game where I last saw you at. I mean, they were yeah. active in the backfield. Terry Beckner had some, a couple tackles for loss. They kept Georgia out of the end zone. All those touchdowns were, as you said, either the fumble recovery, the blocked punt, field goals, and both of those weren't the defense's fault. The defense only gave up two field goals, essentially, so – you know, I, again, things get a little out of control in the second half when Georgia pulled away. But I, I'm in, again, I don't expect them to do this against Alabama, given the machine that the Tide are right now. But 
I felt encouraged by how quickly one week they the improvement just week to week from Purdue to Georgia watching the defense. Well, yeah, and, and that's what I meant by uh, maxing up physically because I, I thought they absolutely matched up physically against against Georgia, and that was going to be, you know, again that was my concern, and that and that speaks to not just you know not not just having your guys in the right position, but recruiting the right guys, and um, so I don't I don't have the stats in front of me the total yards, but I think Missouri outrushed Georgia in that game and uh, by by a little bit, and uh, you know, and, and Georgia had a few more passing yards, but it was it was essentially even in the in, in the total yards category, and again, I, I think that was that, that's a, that's a pretty good sign. I don't know if people, if many people, would have expected that going. I think nationally, that wasn't the idea or the per, perception of the game going in that that and that Georgia would be able to come in and push Missouri around. Uh, I, I, I always I always refer to odds. Wasn't Georgia a double digit favorite in that game against the Tigers? And of course, they ended up winning by half. double digits. Yeah, and so and how how smart are the Vegas odds makers? It's a fourteen point game, but. But the reason it was was because of the turnovers, because Missouri did some dumb things, and um, you eliminate the dumb things, and that's, you know, who knows what happens in, in that game. So it was, um, uh, I, again, I, I'll go back. If you're a Missouri fan, you were kind of angry with the way the things that game unfolded, but you should also be a little bit encouraged, too, going forward that, um, that, that Missouri, I'll, I'll go back to what I've been saying all year, when you have a quarterback as talented as Drew Locke and you can match up physically with just about everybody on your schedule, you know, I, I think that, that bodes well for your team and you should be able to win the toss-up games. And there is no kind of greater definition of a toss-up game than what we're looking at on Saturday with, uh, with, with the Gamecocks. I agree. The big name with South Carolina, obviously, is Debo Samuel, who torched Missouri last year both in the – special team side and on offense. I, you know, with you're, you're more the historian than me, but I kind of feel like with the way the kickoff return rules are going and the amount of touchbacks we're seeing that the return man specialists like a Marcus Murphy or uh, Devin Hester and, and Debo Singh was kind of becoming a bit of a throwback just because it, teams would rather take the touchback than risk what happened in Missouri last week with, with ball security and everything. So, He's one of the rare times that they're facing somebody, I guess a little bit with Purdue and Rondell Moore, that they have to worry about where they're kicking it to and, and how they're handling their, their coverage area. And, and this is where we're going to see what Andy Hill's made of. But I'm kind of curious what you think of, of Debo Samuel. And, and also, I think Jake Bentley is a very underrated quarterback in the SEC. I, I thought he was very impressive his last two times against Missouri. You hear about Drew Locke, you hear about Jared Stidham, Tua, obviously, at Alabama. I think Jake Bentley kind of gets a little underrated just based on the amount of quarterback talent in the SEC this year. Yeah, it, it's it's a very good year for quarterbacks in the SEC. And in, in other years, he'd, he'd be mentioned among the better ones. But that's just – there's so many this year that uh, it's it, it's not it's not the case. But I, I think they're pretty happy. They're pretty happy with him. He's completing uh, – uh, about sixty-four percent, and and so I I think for what for what South Carolina does offensively, he's he's fine. You know, Debo Samuel, I can't remember the game, but he's thrown a touchdown pass this year. In addition to everything else that he does, he he's just a he's just such a terrific all-around athlete. And in in the bold of and and I think I, I think I want to say this, I believe he's a senior this year. So you've got a an experienced guy who uh, kind of knows what he's doing on the field, who's. Who's, who's a terrific athlete, and 
Uh, you know, you mentioned Rondale Moore, the Purdue uh, wide receiver. I, I, he is uh, – I can't say enough about him. I, I think he's certainly next-level talent and uh, and maybe is, you know, as good at his position as, as anybody in, in the country. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're, Missouri's just going to – always going to have to keep an eye on – on on Debo and, uh, uh, and and hold him in check as, as much as they possibly can. He, I called up his, his stats. He's got 22 receptions and a couple of touchdowns this year, but we we know what he's capable of doing. He's he is a uh, he's a big time player. He reminds me a little bit of Jordan Matthews in college at Vanderbilt, just where you know he's going to get he's capable of getting 100 yards receiving in the game. You just need to kind of keep it to that as low as you can. You know he's got to. He's going to go off, but you just have to contain him as best you can. You're not going to fully stop him. You're not going to hold him catchless, but you just kind of have to do damage control with him. And, and, and it looks like they're kind of running back by committee too. There's nobody who's um, you know who, who's piled up the big numbers uh, this year. But uh, and their and their longest run's only been like twenty twenty nine yards. So um, again, it's sort of a you know when you think of South Carolina historically, you know, in, in at least in the you know, what, as I followed them in their SEC years, they, they don't they they don't beat you with their offense. I mean, Spurrier, you know, when, when Spurrier was coaching, he tried to change that, but it's it's you know, Will Muschamp is a is a defensive minded guy, and that's where they're they're trying to build their brand is on the defensive side, and um, uh, you know, and they 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 do have a good pass defense. I mean, they they're they're holding uh, I think opponents under 50% opposing quarterbacks under 50% completion rating this year. I, I I could be wrong on that, but I thought I saw that. So um it it's going to be difficult to, you know, in that environment against that defense and you you know how it goes when when you go into an SEC stadium against a good defensive team, how the crowd enters into the game and I don't know if you've been to a game at South Carolina at Williams Bryce Stadium, but it is one of the louder crowds. When that place is full, it's as good as atmosphere as, as there is. And and not only they're loud, they're 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 loud and 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 have an edge to them as well. And it's also you'll enjoy this. It's one of the great entrances in college football uh, when South Carolina comes on the uh, comes on the field. So a neat atmosphere, probably one of the the underrated atmospheres in college football. And one of two or three press boxes that actually sways, that actually moves during the game because of the uh, just because of the fans, the way the, the way the fans move. So you'll have a good time there. No, I'm looking forward to it. It's one of the only SEC schools I haven't been to, and uh, Missouri was actually playing Sandstorm today at its practice. So that's <laughs> there we the main go. song that that South Carolina plays in games. So no, I'm looking forward to it for sure. What's uh, what's your prediction? What do you think happens? Well, um, because I, I, I'm, I'm always kind of wed to my, um, uh, my, my my preseason projections. Something you know, something crazy has to happen for me to move off of uh, the, the the eight and four. And and I had them at you know the record now is where I had them, you know, doing what they've done, including a loss to to Georgia. But I had them beating South Carolina. Now, once we get to like Kentucky, I'm going to have to amend things. But uh, uh, maybe, but but I, I had them winning this game, and I had them being better than South Carolina this year, and I don't think I've seen anything from South Carolina that leads me to to, to change that. So um, I, I think South Carolina. I think this is a, a, a game that's equally important. So I, I don't know if there's I don't know if there's an advantage there. Um, you know, the Gamecocks had one of the they, they were one of the schools that lost a game to the Hurricanes a couple weeks ago. 
So you don't know how that's affected them. They, they, they turned around and beat Vanderbilt and then lost to Kentucky last week. They're two and two, and they've kind of done what they've expected to do, although I, I, nobody's expected Kentucky to play this well. I think, I think South Carolina looks at this game as there is a victory opportunity for them with, um, you know, with, with um, you know, Florida Clemson left on their schedule. I think they look at this as a, you know, a game that they, they probably pointed to in the preseason as, as a W. But I know I felt that way about Missouri. When you have the advantage at quarterback and you can match up physically with teams, I think you ought to win the game. And so I'm going to I'm going to pick Missouri in a something of a low scoring game, which has been the the history of this series. I'm going to go like 24-20 Tigers. That's pretty close to what I have. I I agree with a lot of that. I think Missouri feels kind of gypped last week, especially you know the offense and the defense. They both did a decent job, and it was the little things that kind of prevented them from giving Georgia a real run. And I think they all know kind of what's waiting for them at, at Bama with that buzzsaw in Tuscaloosa. And they don't want another three-game losing streak like the long one they had last season. So I, I think they do come out of there with a win. Um, I, it is a low-scoring uh, series. I'm going to say 27-20 or so. It's still pretty low-scoring. And uh, – and, I think we see a, a better performance out of Drew Locke for sure. Before I let well, you go, again, I, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it, it would. I think we'll feel differently about about Missouri season if they go down there and, and get a win. Not an easy place to do, and uh, I think we'll. I don't. I don't know if that'll uh, encourage anybody to think they have a chance against Alabama, but I think in in, in games later on on the schedule. Um, You'll, you'll you'll take a look and say yeah you know they they, they uh, when the schedule kind of softens for Missouri that uh, uh, when they went to South Carolina and won that would have been a kind of a, a barometer game for the Tigers. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass. Unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. It's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just $0.08 a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash Sports Pass. They'd be four and one going into Alabama. Do you think that would, if they win, do you think that'd be enough to get them ranked or receiving votes? Well, aren't they? They're receiving votes now, aren't they? Aren't they in the, a little, a the little game? bit? Yeah, not not a lot. Nothing, nothing that would have gotten them close to being ranked uh, last week, obviously with Georgia. But they're receiving some votes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll get them up up the ladder to receiving more votes. And let's just assume a loss at, at Alabama. Then you win a couple of games on the on the other side of that. Then I think you'll see Missouri in the in the in the top twenty five. Maybe if they can, you know, if they can beat Memphis and then and then well, you know, but by the time they play Kentucky, who knows where the Wildcats will be? They're they're in the top fifteen now. So uh, win that game, and I, I absolutely I, I see Missouri in the poll if uh, if they go three and one in their next uh, three. Last thing I want to get your thoughts on being the the historian for college sports around here. Missouri lost. Uh, it's top com- uh, target for basketball last night. E.J. Liddell committing to Ohio State. 
And it's, it's been interesting to me, you know, I'm the recruiting guy. I, I thought some fans seem more at peace with it than others. Um, you know, Liddell was a top 40-ish recruit. He wasn't in the same stratosphere as Michael Porter Jr. or Jason Tatum and, and some of those local recruits at Missouri. Uh, well, they, obviously they got Porter after losing to Washington initially, but Tatum and everything. And some people kind of feel like this is a bit of a chink on the armor for Conzo. And uh, other people say, well, you know, he was top 40. Missouri historically has done better in the top 50 to 70 range. And it's no big deal. I'm of the opinion that it would have been a big deal for Conzo. And it is a bit of a big deal because all the guys they've gotten out of St. Louis since Conzo got the job have been – I call them second-chance recruits. They were transfers like Mark Smith from Illinois, uh, decommitments or coaching changes like Jeremiah Tillman and Javon Pickett at Illinois as well. And then Torrance Watson was an Ohio State uh, decommit. He flipped. You know, Mario McKinney was a guy that they got to commit out of St. Louis right off the bat. And I think it's good PR given that his cousin played there and, and Missouri fans are all hung up on the relatives of, former athletes like Ezekiel Elliott and Victor Bailey Jr. and all those guys. But, and Devin um, Booker. And uh, Devin Booker, yes. I knew it was Tyler Hansbrough's father ran track there. Um, yep. So I think that was a good PR move in that sense. But I'm curious for your thoughts on it, being uh, doing this longer than me, because I, I do think that there is a little bit of it. You know, this was a more gettable recruit than a Tatum or a Porter or a Bradley Beal, whereas – you know, he was top 50-ish, and, you know, Ohio State's a good program, but they're kind of in the same boat as Missouri a little bit with a newer coach, had a surprise year last year, and yeah. obviously, though, and the Big Ten is, is you know, Michigan State, Wisconsin, I, I feel like it's, the SEC is still an easier conference to win in, even though there's been an up, uptick in talent and, and money put into basketball in recent years. Well, I, w- I was interested in reading your story about this, and, 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 I, and I picked up a few things that, that we're talking about. One, the, um, Liddell talked about how he was a lifelong Ohio State fan, you know, who dreamed of wearing the Buckeyes football jersey, and then he kind of – his body grew into a, a basketball player, so he said, I'll, well, I'll just wear the Buckeyes basketball jersey someday. So maybe it was, it was a done deal his whole life, and, and he just – um, and, and he wanted to do go through the recruiting, uh, the, you know, the, the recruiting uh, with Illinois and, and Missouri and others who, who showed a lot of interest in him, and and maybe they never had a, a real chance at him. I, who knows? I mean, only only he knows it's what's in his heart. And um, but but there is you make a good point about um, you know the, there was a relationship there in in the past, not just the St. Louis relationship, but Conzo and. Uh, uh, going back uh, with, um, you know, was it his coach? Who, Conzo went back and, you know, there was a relationship there. Yes, that, he grew um, up with Waddell's father in East St. Louis. That's it. That's it. Grew up with his dad. And 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 so, yes, you sure like to think that there uh, is an opportunity there. I, I can remember when, um, when, when uh, um, gosh, i got to go back now, um, um, Anderson at Missouri – was the not Kim um, uh, Mike Anderson? But, uh, Mike Anderson. You know, when, when he got the pressies, it was because uh, there was a, there was a family connection there, and 
you know, sometimes it works out that way. Um, that, that there are, you know, you, you get guys because of, of that, but you don't always get them. And you mentioned Ezekiel Elliott and, you know, with his dad and mom both going to Missouri. Um, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't always happen. And it, Missouri, maybe as much as any, as, as any school in the country talks about, uh, and, and specifically for basketball, for all sports, but, but for basketball, you know, targeting and really needing the largest metropolitan area in its state, in, in St. Louis. And uh, every coach that I've ever dealt with at Missouri has spoken to that. And, um, and, and it seems like Conzo's in the best position to make it happen because of his background. And, and, uh, and, and we're gonna, I think we just need to give him more time and opportunity to, uh, to, to make the, the, the associations and the connections with the, you know, with the, the grassroots basketball coaches and the parents and, you know, getting to know the right people. That I'm sure he knows a lot of these people already. But you know what? It's not because of Conzo that they don't get him. I think it's still because of, you know, Missouri. Missouri just needs to be better in basketball and, and have some success, have some success on the national level. That was, you know, that they started that last year and, and got to the NCAA, back to the NCAA tournament. I think it's just going to take a succession of years of success to raise the the profile of Missouri in uh, you know with, with recruits. Um, uh, you look, Ohio State hasn't been great shakes in the last few years, but this guy had a, an emotional attachment to Ohio State, and uh, and I think that's why he ended up there. Um, Missouri needs kids with emotional attachments to Missouri, and 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 one of the ways you get that is by becoming a Missouri fan when you're a kid and you grow up going to games and you watch them on TV all the time and you can't think of yourself in any other place but there. And um, and, and if you're from St. Louis or Kansas City, you kind of hope that that's what Missouri is to those kids. And um, it, it, it hasn't always been that way in this state. But I think with Conzo Martin, they've got a chance for that to happen in a, in a greater way than it has happened. Yeah, and I think the other thing that could help that is all the local guys from St. Louis that are currently on the roster, it's like six or seven, I think there will be more of a local draw to watching Missouri given that a lot of those guys are from the area, grew up playing there, and all the relatives, all the friends, all the coaches, all their players will be drawn to watching those teams. So if they take care of business, that could change the equation. Quick trivia question for you. Go Go ahead. What do you got? I was going to say, and maybe grist for another uh, day is why we, why we can talk about uh, um, why St. Louis is uh, so dominant when it comes to basketball prospects over Kansas City, which turns out the occasional, you know, Kevin per year and, and others, but uh, uh, but but St. Louis just dwarfs this side of the state when it comes to uh, when it comes to grassroots basketball. Yeah, we should make that a podcast. That'd be good. Here's your question. Liddell's yeah. father, Eric, was an offensive lineman for Illinois State back in the late 80s, early 90s. Who was his quarterback's coach and assistant offensive coordinator while at Illinois State? It, it wasn't Shane Zinger, was it? No. The old, but he, Shane Zinger was, he was at Kansas State then, but then he went to Illinois State, the, old, the, the Kansas athletic director. Um, that's a good one. Who, who would it have been? Urban Meyer. Oh, how about that? How about that? Um, that also um, uh, it speaks to the connection. Yes. I don't know. He, was, he would have been suspended while Adele was on his official visit. But uh, I always thought yeah. that was an interesting connection there, that 
um, that wasn't really discussed that much. I, I, I thought then, you'd have a chance of getting that though. No. Was that I, in, was that in your was that a uh, name that came into your head or not? No, it wasn't because I, I I don't pick up Urban Meyer until until he gets to uh, the Mac. Um, I, you know, then but. but that's a good one, though. That 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 is solid. Nice. I'm glad Urban, I stumped you a little bit. I got to put more, um, do more homework on this stuff. I think Urban Meyer. Correct me. No, maybe I better not ask you without exactly knowing the answer to this. So let me. I'll tell you what. I'll have one for you the next time we chat. All right. All right. I like it. We can make this a weekly thing. Here we go. That's going to do it for us. I'm Alex Schiffer. He's Blair Kirkhoff. I will be with Sam Mellinger in Columbia, South Carolina on Friday. And we will have plenty of coverage from the game 11 a.m. kickoff central time. And we'll be going live to discuss the results of that game in Missouri's upcoming game against Alabama then. Thank you for tuning in.